I mean, uh, sorry you had to see that, but you know how it is when you get those uh, manly urges, and you just gotta kill something. Mm. Fix things, uh, cook outdoors. What's your name? This is Snails and Oysters. Hello and welcome to Snails and Oysters, the bi-weekly, bi-coastal, bisexual movie podcast. I'm Nat Roberts. And I'm Allie Rogers. And uh, <laughs> we, sh- we should have thought of what we were going to say after that because it just sort of <laughs> trailed off. How are you doing, Allie? I'm good. I started the Couch to 5K app the other day. Lovely, lovely. You get to choose your coach and there's a couple different options. There's like a typical animated hottie, <laughs> a military animated guy scary <laughs> every time i start couch to 5k i've never finished it this is the third time i've started it um i always choose queer icon runicorn <laughs> <laughs> so i went running with runicorn who's really sweet and encouraging and has rainbow streaks in their hair sounds like a queer icon to me yeah <laughs> yeah actually speaking of couches have you seen the new ikea bisexual couch the the, no. the internet is aflame about. Okay, no, because I'm low key on vacation. I like own, only letting myself use Twitter ten minutes a day. That sounds really healthy. It's healthy, <laughs> but then I miss out on wonderful things like the IKEA buy couch. That's fair. <laughs> Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday and releasing on Thursday. So by the time this episode drops, I'm sure it'll be old news. But I certainly hope it stays in the life cycle because I'm slightly obsessed with this couch. I can't tell if I love it or hate it, to be honest. Okay. Have you seen pictures of it? I literally don't know what it looks like at all. I need you to give like a full detailed description. That's perfect because this is an audio medium. (laughs) And so our listeners will probably need that too. But it is a couch cover that Ikea is selling as part of a line of pride themed upholstery. Yeah. Each of these couch covers is based on a different queer flag and there's one for the bi flag and it is the same colors of the bi flag and it has a line from a slam poem on the two cushions that i believe it says uh when you change from or to and nobody believes you i did a little bit of research the designer is by and wrote this poem about the experience of being erased and the backstory of the couch is actually great don't want to shit on a a designer don't want to shit on a fellow bisexual artist but the (laughs) the couch itself the pattern is made up of hands it is just hundreds of hands i just googled it this is a terrifying couch (laughs) it's a terrifying couch so it's just pink hands blue hands and purple hands all wrapped up in each other like a big bowl of human spaghetti it looks like if you sit down you will be pulled into a new circle of hell one million percent yes but Honestly, I kind of love it. It is the most extra thing I've ever seen. At first, I hated it, but I kind of love it now, if I'm being completely honest. I do not love this at all. I'll have to see whether or not it grows on me. This I find really terrifying. And also, I'm looking at an image that has all the other couches. Some of the other couches are also very bad. Yes. But this one, I just hate so much. Um, (laughs) It really looks like the couch has trapped potentially thousands of souls inside of it. Yes. And they're trying to press against it to get out and leaving a mark with their hands. 
Wow. It looks cursed to me. Maybe this is just, uh, you know, queer identification with villains, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's grown on me. <laughs> it's just so over the top. That's the thing I love about it. It's that this couch is the biggest swing I have ever seen <laughs> from like a major brand it's a big like swing. Ikea. It's a big swing. And so I kind of don't want to hate on it because I want more crazy shit like this. I'll see what happens with if, if it grows on me. But for me, I don't know. It is a big swing though. So you're saying we can't buy one for the snails and oysters offices? I mean, if we ever get big enough to have an office, we can definitely buy one. <laughs> which actually brings me to the other thing I'm desperate to talk about. Nat and I had a hilarious exchange this week where I asked Nat how many listeners we had. And, <laughs> and he gave me two sets of numbers. I think it was 23 and then 57. And I thought for a split second that we had 23... 1,570 <laughs> listeners. And I was like, it turns out podcasting is easy. That's yeah. <laughs> I was like drafting an email to my boss being like, I gotta go. I quit. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, I was imagining a stadium reading of our podcast. Um, and then he clarified that it's 23 regular listeners. And it was, I believe it was 117 total listens. Gotcha, gotcha. But I, I said our average audience is 23 comma 117 listens total <laughs> so we, reading it as a text i completely understand why you thought i was saying that our audience is 23,117 listeners total <laughs> well, i think what i love about this exchange and maybe it's day class a to mm. talk listener numbers but i want to do it and not kind of decide whether or not to cut it out but I personally love it because it's given us a very specific number of listeners to aim for. True. And also, I just want to, I want you to know I love each and every one of you. Like all 23 of you Absolutely. are precious to me. I want to know your names and write a little like song <laughs> for each of you. Um, I just want to know you're important to us. We're committed to you. To be fair, Ali, you probably already know all of their names because we most likely personally know, <laughs> at least one of us personally knows each and every one of them. <laughs> well, I actually think that we're pulling more from your friends and family currently. Maybe both of us think that it's the other's friends, but really it is just people on the internet who who like a podcast about bisexuals. That would be amazing. No matter what it is, we we love you all we love very you much. Yeah. We have a personal and direct relationship with you. We are are not some sort of parasocial tie that you have formed with someone who who you've only heard their voice. We have a real meaningful connection. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. I think I was just like, you know, it'd be great to have 23,000, but I need to like practice gratitude and just be psyched about our 23 beautiful babies. <laughs> totally. It's about quality, not quantity. And frankly, I think that we've already found the best 23 listeners. Yeah, exactly. People who come on later, they're not going to be part of the OG crew. The you OG know, the ride 23. Yes, the OG, OG 23 <laughs> of the bi canon. Yes. <laughs> All right. So this yes. week's episode, I'm excited. I assume you're excited. I assume our 23 beautiful, sweet, loving, intelligent, sexy listeners are excited. Yeah. We're talking Mulan. Yes. Let's get down to business and make some puns. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anything you want to say before we get into the, the plot synopsis in the episode? I don't think so. Just that I, I love Mulan. Yes. I always loved it as a kid. Very fun to revisit it 
as a bisexual adult um, or just as, as an adult and look at it through the bisexual lens. Yeah. Yeah. I think Mulan is an interesting example, similar to some like it hot of like, I don't know how to describe it. You know, there's a cross-dressing character or a character in drag or in this case in disguise. And that's part of how bisexuality is illuminated in the film. Can you say that in a smarter way? <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is like, I feel like we've been, there's kind of been two different kinds of movies we analyze and one kind, there's no gender expression experimentation going on and the other kind there is. And so this would be in the, mm. the latter category. I see what you mean. Some of the movies we've analyzed are exclusively about sexuality and some are about both sexuality and gender roles. Is that kind of what yeah. you're getting at? And 100%, thank you for saying it. Where I am, it's literally, <laughs> it's too hot to be smart where I'm currently sitting. I'm like fully drenched in sweat, so I can only offer up this, these half thoughts. I mean, I've always said that I'm too hot to be smart, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say for our listeners before we get into it, obviously we recorded this episode way in advance. We actually recorded it before the live action Mulan remake came out. And so we do mention that at the end of the episode, but we mention it as something that is coming. And all I can say is that editing is hard sometimes. I think Nat's being very kind and not blaming this on me. And I think... <laughs> no, I am not. It is not your fault at all. The thing is, we don't want to fight in front of the kids, the listeners, the 23 <laughs> <laughs> you know, starting a podcast up is hard work. Honestly, we did pretty good did <laughs> to good. to be on the air within a year of like having the idea. Yes. I think we just sort of went about it backwards. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say I hope our our 23 beautiful genius tasteful raconteur listeners enjoy this little time capsule. <laughs> yes, our cutting-edge fashionista uh, listeners are perfect. Influencer, yes. yeah. yeah. Mulan is a 1998 animated musical produced by Walt Disney Pictures, directed by Tony Bancroft and Barry Cook, and based on the 6th century poem Ballad of Mulan by Guo Mao Qian. I think it's safe to assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you've already seen Mulan, but consider this a refresher. Fa Mulan is a typical teenage girl living in Han Dynasty, China, who has a hard time living up to the standards her village sets for women. You know, beautiful, proper, demure, one half of the Madonna whore starter pack. Her life changes drastically when an army of Huns, led by Shan Yu, invade China from the north, and her beloved dad, Fa Zhao, is conscripted to fight. Zhao's health is declining, but he insists on serving to preserve the family's honor. Mulan decides that if she can't bring honor to her family as a daughter, she'll bring it as a son. So she disguises herself as a man, Fa Ping, and steals her father's armor and draft notice. Her father prays that the family's ancestors will protect Mulan, which awakens the ancestors and spirit guardian, Mushu. The ancestors intend to send the household's protector, the Great Stone Dragon, to aid Mulan, but after Mushu accidentally destroys the Great Stone Dragon, he decides to go in its place, along with a lucky cricket he befriends. At the local army post, Mulan is placed under the command of board-certified zaddy Captain Li Shang, along with other misfit recruits, including Fiery Yao, Snarky Ling, and easygoing Chen Po. There's training montages and hijinks, and eventually the troop is dispatched to join the fight against Shan Yu. Mulan distinguishes herself by saving her compatriots from the Huns by causing an avalanche, but in the process she's injured and her true gender is revealed. It's the worst gender reveal party <laughs> of all time. And, the, and yes, we are including the one that burned down half of California. Yes. 
Despite the laws of China demanding it, Shang refuses to execute Mulan. What a guy. And instead leaves her behind as the rest of the troop proceeds to the capital to inform the emperor of Shan Yu's apparent death. Mulan sees Shan Yu and a group of Huns emerge from the avalanche, still alive and bent on revenge. Mulan and Mushu ride to the capital to warn Shang, but he refuses to even listen to her. Suffice it to say, he looks like a real dope when Shan Yu turns up and kidnaps the emperor. Mulan and the boys team up to save the emperor, and Shang admits that he was wrong and comes along. Mulan kicks total ass and disarms Shan Yu in time for Mushu to shoot him with a giant firework. Because, of course, this is a Disney movie after all. Mulan returns home a hero, but her dad says that the greatest gift in honor is to have you as a daughter. And then I well up a little bit. <laughs> Plus, Shang rolls up on a flimsy excuse, totally looking to bone down, and Mulan's all, mm, okay. That isn't exactly what happens. <laughs> but isn't it? Glossing over that, in recent years, sites like Tumblr and Twitter have claimed Shang as a bisexual icon, since he seems equally interested in Milan before and after discovering she's a woman. But how much bisexuality is there in the film itself? We will figure it out. If it's the last thing we do. Time to talk about Mike Pence's favorite Disney movie. Is it really? No. Do you remember? <laughs> do, do, don't you remember back in 2016, an old op-ed that Mike Pence wrote surfaced? No. Oh my god, this was crazy. He he was arguing that Mulan was liberal propaganda to promote women serving in the armed forces. Dude, I, I, fucking, I hate Mike Pence. I fucking hate him. I like, try not to hate people, but I fucking hate Mike Pence. I know. You might be like better than me. No, I'm not. Absolutely not. But like, he's such a little dink like how could you watch Mulan it's like dude also let women be in the army I mean personally I don't want to be in the army I don't want to participate in warfare I don't know man just this world is so messed up and Mike Pence is a big part of it honestly yes (laughs) (laughs) that's I guess I guess that's all there is to say yeah boy (laughs) yeah but yes Mulan let's talk about Mulan This is my favorite Disney princess, honestly. Yeah, I think she might be my favorite too. I'm not a big fan of rewatching kids' movies, but this is one that I feel like I could always rewatch because I just think it's so fun and exciting. And like, there's so many like grown up elements to it. Do I sound like an asshole being like, I don't watch kids' movies? No, not at all. I I just feel like some (laughs) people take more like pleasure in that than I do. Yeah, I think that there is like a. And we could go off for hours about nostalgic culture yes, it's as a nostalgic like a culture. It is force of regression during uncertain times. People regress to childhood media as a comfort. There actually is some like scientific research into that with like the popularity of Arthurian mythology during the Industrial Revolution. Like in periods of social upheaval, people tend to look back fondly on a past period. Well, to be fair, I have been rewatching all of Avatar: The Last Airbender. And that's, that's just a classic. I mean, that show is so good. Um, I actually, side note, I had never watched it before it was on Netflix. That's crazy. I definitely yeah. like, this was a show I watched a lot when I was a kid. And I feel like I was a little old for it too when it came on. It was more <laughs> for my sister's age. Yeah. But. I, I never watched it, but I, I actually think it's one of the best written TV shows I've ever seen. It's really well written. And it's funny, I was actually going to bring up Avatar in conversation with Mulan because the head writers were both white men 
But I was going to c- contrast it with Mulan, and we can get into this a little more later, or we can talk about it now, because Avatar feels like it has the research in the story, it's integral to the plot, the culture that it's portraying, it's not ultra-specific to any specific Asian country, but it is very grounded in East Asian and South Asian culture, whereas Mulan has the research, but it's a very westernized version of the of the story and the culture yeah. and it and it's also created by white people yeah yeah that's a good point i was actually i almost texted you about that but then i was like i'll save it <laughs> i shouldn't but yeah especially because avatar goes pretty deep or not like and like i i don't want to say it goes pretty deep into like any specific religion but i do feel like it portrays like a spirituality that's really, really different from Western Christianity. You know, just like the idea of past lives, the idea of a spirit world. Of chakras. Of chakras, yeah. And I always thought, I was always really impressed by how many like concepts it introduced that feel really different from what like kids might have been exposed to at home. And I always thought that was really cool. But also I'm really afraid that like I'll say that and then immediately read an article that's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck Navador, the last airbender is like a disgusting white gaze portrayal of like Asian spirituality. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was true because I feel like watching Mulan, I had a similar thought. I was like, Oh, it's cool. They're like showing praying to ancestors. That's not something you do in like Judeo Christian, Judeo Christian tradition. traditions. Yeah. But then when you texted me and you were like, yeah, I and just, we, yeah. yeah. Um, for, for context, for the listener last night or yesterday, I was doing a little reading up on Mulan because for once I thought we should do some research. I love that. Um, and I found a, an old inner interview with um what's his name uh tony bancroft who is one of the two directors on the movie he gave an interview in the christian post um which already already <laughs> we're already we're tense we're tense <laughs> but he he gave an interview in the post uh, the christian post talking about being a christian film director directing a movie set in china um and incorporating the element as you mentioned of ancestor worship and he had this to say we did a lot of research to be culturally accurate and being a christian we made a pact that we wouldn't go too deep into buddhism but would stay true to our own beliefs the ancestors are supposed to be fun light so that we didn't give too much attention to buddhist beliefs and history I mean, the first problem there is that he's not talking about Buddhism. He's talking about Confucianism. Buddhism has nothing to do with ancestor worship. Like, that is a tenet of Confucianism. But, yeah, so let's talk about that. that Yeah. When you sent me that, I just found that to be a huge bummer. Me too. When I found it, I was really disappointed. Because I feel like there's a lot about Mulan that feels, like, pretty well handled, you know? Like... I feel like the white gaze is definitely there in the film, but if but I feel like in 2020 I can still watch it and be like this is a good movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like there are movies that I love that I have a hard time watching these days like like Trading like, Spaces. Yeah. Yeah, like Trading Spaces has that ending that's famously awful. And yeah, it just feels unwatchable, but yeah, Mulan, it definitely feels like a western portrayal of China, but it feels like a a respectful one. At least I thought it was. I thought it was too. And I felt like it was a considered one. And so it's just a huge bummer to read that like someone, someone creating this story, someone in charge of creating this story made the conscious decision 
to misrepresent the culture being portrayed. That's really upsetting. Yeah, and also just there's something about the quote that feels kind of icky and gross as if there's something wrong with Buddhism, you know? And that, and yeah. that like, if you were to include too much, like, Buddhism accurately in the movie, that that could somehow be dangerous. Like, there's a weirdness to the way that yeah. he said it that feels very, like, Christian, puritanical, puritanical like, Christianity is the correct religion. And because, like, when you talk to people sometimes who are, like, really hardcore Christians, there is the sense that every other religion is, like, dangerous, you know? And, yeah. And it's, I, it's, I've, I've lived in the South. I know it. Well, yeah. <laughs> not yeah, that it's limited yeah. to the South, but yeah, there is, like, the sense of, like, every other religion is the devil misleading man. Yes. Yeah. Heresy. Yeah. And, like, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I do have respect for people who are religious but capable of seeing the good in other religions. Yeah. Regardless of what their faith is. Yeah. So I was a, that was a bummer for me. And it, yeah, it definitely made me feel more conscious of how the film had been crafted for my consumption specifically, you know, for me to feel comfortable with it. Well, that, and that's the, and again, it's like it, it's what irks me is that he like he starts the sentence talking about how much research they did to be accurate, but then he mislabels the religion he's talking about because again, like Buddhism is about, and this is just my understanding as a neophyte. I've done a little bit of reading, but I'm not any kind of intelligent person on any topic. Yeah, Buddhism, in my understanding, is more about detaching yourself from desire so that you can you know, reach a spiritual state of enlightenment. Mm -hmm. You know, some branches deal with past lives and things like that, but it is in Chinese spirituality and religion, Confucianism is the strain that's more about tradition and ancestry and um, laws, things like that. Um, and that, that really is what's more present in Mulan is, you know, with, with the appearance of the ethereal ancestors as like a magical element, which we can talk about whether that's, or, you know, that's definitely Orientalism, but like to what degree yeah. it is, um, like it's, it's, it's not great, but it's not, it could have been so much worse is <laughs> how I went into it. Like, I was like, this could have been a lot worse for 1998, but I know that's like that's so funny how like that's kind of how we watch media now you know it's just like there is a tent there's a tenseness that is very like justified I think but yeah um it's rough it's rough it's rough it's but it's like you have to apply the same standards across the board even to movies you love and I love this movie yeah totally yeah it has problems yeah, and just acknowledging that it's like a essentially like a white movie. Like Yeah. Yeah. It it is the Disney formula set in a different with a different, you know, wallpaper yeah. over it. All right. <laughs> um That being said, rewatching it, I was actually surprised how much of the movie is about gender. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like more so like more so than any other Disney movie. It felt like every, every other almost every song was in one way or another about gender and gender roles and expectations and how they're kind of bullshit. Yeah, totally. No, I was like really pleasantly surprised by that too and I think it's not radical but a little more edgy than I had remembered the movie. Yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't even like 
Disney's current brand of feminism that's sort of like girl boss. It was like it it actually felt like a much more queer movie where it's like you know, like the the song that um, Mulan sings, um, the uh, reflection song. That watching that song as a queer person felt very different than when I was watching it as a kid because it's about why don't I look the way I feel? Why don't people see me the way that I feel? Uh, yeah, and I feel like that's such a common like queer experience across yeah. the board of just yeah no i think that's a really good point point. and then the the other two songs that stand out from the movie are i'll make a man out of you mm-hmm. uh, and a girl worth fighting for one of which is about the expectations that the culture places on men and the other one is about the expectations that the culture places on women <laughs> yeah i also found that a girl worth fighting for song really interesting because when i was in college i ended up studying a lot about like the two world wars in britain And something that came up a lot was just how imagery about defending women and needing to go home to a woman were used so often to motivate men to go to war. And that women were also kind of used as a shaming mechanism, too. Like, a woman doesn't want to be with someone who isn't serving his country, you know? That's really fascinating. Yeah, there was even in in the, I think it was the First World War, there were a few incidents that were pretty horrendous of women placing a white feather on a man's person if if that man was perceived to have been dodging his duty. I've, he- I've heard of the white feather, yeah. Yeah, and it was really offensive for like a million bazillion reasons, you know, but it was interesting to like listen to that song again because I was like, it's so weird that that was just a song that millions of kids consumed and they were consuming a watered-down version of that message, you know? Yeah, although I, I will... In, in the song's defense, I feel like it's more lampooning that message than it is endorsing it. The, the three characters singing are comedic relief characters. They're, yeah. you know, they're not, we're not supposed to, em- they're nice, but we're not supposed to emulate them. And Mulan even calls them out like, hey, how about, you know, a girl who has a brain and speaks her mind? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think like, you're right. But I think it almost... If it's fair to say, I think it almost is doing both. That's fair. I think that is fair to say. And like it's and it it's the satire paradox of like if you're yeah, satirizing exactly. something, sometimes that doesn't come across. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking back as like watching it as a kid, I definitely remember thinking of that as a song making fun of these men for the stupid things they're looking for in women. Yeah, I do think you're, I think, yeah, I think you're right. that It is making fun of, like, you just want a woman for this superficial yeah. reason. But again, I could be wrong. Like, I was raised with two older sisters who were, like, from a young age, vocal feminists. So, like, <laughs> if I grew up in a more male-dominated household, maybe I wouldn't have picked up on that. Maybe. I guess what I'm saying is, like, even Mulan ultimately is being, like, I feel like even Mulan is endorsing, like, yeah, you should have a girl to fight for, but you should have it for the right reasons, you know? Like, she should be smart, like, and deep, like <laughs> That's a good point. That is a good point, actually. And, oh my god, the song is so funny. I'll make a man out of you sorry that's switching gears but like i had never really listened to the lyrics before and i think it's so funny of what they're saying a man is swift as the coursing river force of a great typhoon strength of reaching fire mysterious as the dark side of the moon that's so funny (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. And like, and also like other gender notes in that song. Like, did they send me daughters yep. when I asked for sons? And it's, and it's like, again, subtle. But it does, on its own, that line seems totally misogynistic, like, shaming men by comparing them to women. Yeah. But in the context of the story, I feel like it's meant to be more like, these are the expectations that Mulan is going up against. These are the opposing forces, even among her friends. Because she is a daughter who went in the place of a son. Yeah. And the movie is unequivocal in its endorsement of that action. Yeah, totally. So I do think, like, it's important to consider that in context. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, yes, it is kind of hilarious that they're like, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just find it so, like... Yeah, I just thought the chorus was so goofy. You know, they were like, okay, well, let's. what's a he- bunch of big nature things that men should be like? And I was like, what? It's very sincere. It's very sincere, yeah. Which, which you know, it could, it's hard for me to take off my nostalgia glasses because, like, when I was rewatching it, I was like, this is the greatest training montage of all time. It's so fun. It's so it's good. So, and, like, it's great with the visual humor paired with the song – But then, like, using, like, visual exposition. Yes, yeah. No, it's really good. And, like... But, yeah, it does go over the top. (laughs) Well, I also... I totally forgot that towards the end of this song, she actually gets sent home in the story. And it's not part of the song. It's not verbalized at all. But I... It kind of really, like got me because I was like, I totally forgot. Oh, my God, no. She's, like, not passing training. Um, And I think it's really interesting that then she's redeemed, not really by being stronger but ultimately by being smarter yeah Um, that is something i picked up on more this time watching it yeah like mulan's greatest characteristic is her like lateral thinking ability like her unconventional solutions to problems yeah yeah like from the very beginning like with um when she's like feeding the chickens by like tying the bag to the dog giving the dog a bone to bait it and he's like running around the yard and like that consistently every time she's faced with a problem she she doesn't just punch the problem until it stops she thinks of something original to upend the problem yeah Oh, that's so interesting that you tie it back to the dog and the chicken scene, because I think that's really true, but I never made that connection. Yeah, but it's like, um, you know, the dog and the chicken, the training montage, like, using the weights to climb this pole, um, Mm -hmm. and then, like, in the mountains, shooting the cannon at the mountain rather than at Sean Yu, um, and then in the end, using the fan to disarm Sean Yu... We should talk about the bi character. Yes. We haven't even mentioned Shang. I know. Bisexual icon Shang Li. So it's so funny. I did not know Shang Li was a bisexual icon. So could you <laughs> fill me in on like clearly the internet history that I've missed out I, on? You know, I know about as much as you. Like I, I've just seen the memes. Uh, I think it's, it must have started on Tumblr because everything starts on Tumblr. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the general, the reason that he's included in the bi canon is that people read him as having a romantic interest in Ping before he is aware that Ping is Mulan. Mm, um, gotcha. And it, it just sort of, like, immediately glosses over to, okay, still cool. Which, I, I'm willing to read it. I'm taking it. <laughs> What's so funny to me is that rewatching the movie, I was like, he's a little bitch. Like, <laughs> like he's so moody. Like, he constantly is, like, kind of, like, being moody towards 
Mulan, both when she's Ping and Mulan. He's constantly having pretty bad ideas. Like if we had, if we trusted him with with the success of the the campaign, everyone would be dead. <laughs> he, you know, and then he like makes this grand gesture of not killing her, which like, dude, obviously. And then he's also very moody about it. Like he's like, you're welcome. And I'm just like, dude, I don't know. To me, I was like, what a fuck boy. <laughs> he is. He is very moody. To, and again, another Avatar comparison. I feel like he's a bit of a Zuko, you know, like he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got this whole thing about his dad. And like, <laughs> to quote John Mulaney, if you're a 30-year-old man who's obsessed with his father, you're pathetic. <laughs> oh my God, that's a John Mulaney joke. I love that. Or something like that. Like you're an insane person. Something like <laughs> that. Um, John, John Mulaney Boy. wouldn't be that cruel, but it is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I... I am a Shang, like, I like Shang, but yes, everything you've just said is I like him too, but, like, to me, he's, like, a dumb blonde, like, but with a lot of confidence, like, he's not that good at what he does. Even that dude calls him out, and he's like, dude, you're not that good at this, you're just like, this is nepotism, and I don't like, and I'm like, yeah, he's kind of 100% right. Yeah, I mean... He's good at training them. Okay. He is really, I was gonna say, he is really good at training them, because they are, yes... And he's like a, he's a, he is a good soldier, but he does, he seems like somebody who is good at executing orders. He's not a strategist. Yes. He's no strategist. He's no, but to be fair, it, in his defense, like, you know, Sean Yu's men, you know, ambushing them in the mountains. This is a force like 50 times, you know, it's impossible to tell if Shang has nine guys in his troop or 20 because like the numbers okay, keep changing. Okay, it changes so much. and It's so confusing. It's so confusing. And I'm like, is this supposed to be that like they died? You know, like they died on the mountains? Yeah, but it seems like almost everybody dies on the mountains. Yeah, and you're then, like, like left with like six people in the army and you're like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, but then also like for like the the troops that Shang is with, it's like in some group shots it looks like there's a lot of them. In some group shots, it looks like there's four of them. I like, know. Yeah, yeah. It's like nothing but love. But um, what the fuck, Disney? Where was your script supervisor on this, <laughs> dude? Also, like I was so scared by the bad guy. Like he's genuinely such a scary bad guy. He is. Okay, but you were not scared. That's what well, no, that's what your tone I, of voice is saying to me and I <laughs> well, I respect no, I was, it. No, I it's not that I wasn't scared. He is a scary bad guy. He is cool at being like the boo, you know, like mm-hmm. he's he's like he is physically intimidating. But I was going to say while I was watching, I felt like he wa- he's a good bad guy, but he's not the right bad guy for this movie. That's interesting. Because he doesn't play into any of the main themes. Like, like it, honor a little bit, because he's like, this wall is a challenge to my strength. But like... Well, I feel like he... Yeah, I feel like he's hyper-masculine. He is, but he doesn't like... It's never like specifically called out the way it is with other characters. Like the um the 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 bureaucrat guy. He's constantly talking about masculinity and femininity even though he like he is upholding a patriarchal standard that he does not fulfill. That's a good villain for this movie. But Sean Yu is just sort of like He's just buff. Like, but like, I would, yeah, like, I get what was, you're saying. Yeah, he's yeah. just kind of huge. Like, he, d- he doesn't really like address masculinity. He's not really, like, he's, he, he never really talks in gendered terms. 
is, you know. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. He doesn't. He doesn't really talk that much. I feel like he's almost like a super jock (laughs) villain where, like, his whole thing is he doesn't talk that much. He's strong. He wants everyone to know he's strong. That's I almost feel like he isn't really the villain. He's Ooh. he is an obstacle. He is just he is an obstacle to Mulan's story. He is the environment that they're working in. But mm-hmm. the real villain is uh it's it's the patriarchy in a large sense, as represented by the emperor and the bureaucrat guy. Uh, the emperor as like a uh, an authority figure who doesn't realize how his decisions are affecting people, mm. like a good person who doesn't realize that he's perpetuating these stereotypes. The bureaucrat guy as a more vocal proponent of these stupid traditions, like that's the real that's really antagonist to Mulan's story. Interesting. I don't know if I agree, but this is the episode where we disagree. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I think you're right. I, I do think you're right that like definitely the bureaucratic guy, especially when he's like killer. And yeah. I'm like, this is an intense scene for a to kids watch movie. for a kids movie. <laughs> but also, they're all so intense. Like the Hunchback of Notre Dame was terrifying Yo. for me as a kid. Terrifying. I, I actually was thinking about that while watching it because I was like, oh yeah, Judge Frollo is the perfect villain because. He is the reverse image of Quasimodo. He looks like a good guy, but is evil, whereas Quasimodo looks like he is physically deformed, but he is a good person. Whereas, like, for Mulan, Shan Yu just is. He is the threat that they are addressing. He is not tied in with Mulan's journey of finding a way of existing in her society. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't. I, I think it could be tweaked because, like, he is—he's a, a Mongolian nomad. So, like, there is a way for him to—he is a threat to the cultural norm in a different way. Totally, totally. I don't know. It's it's tricky. It's tricky. Tr- well, I tr- just think tr- there tr- are many villains. Yes, but I do think you're right that, like, ultimately, her final face-off is with the emperor. Yeah, that's who is yelling at her. And you kind of are like, oh, God, this is scary. Like, the bureaucrat yeah. guy is right there. But but there there are many villains. And he's there definitely scary. That we, yes. we got to agree. He is scary. He and the other Huns are very scary. Yeah. But, okay, so... Let's talk more about Shang specifically. Do you agree with the internet's reading that he's clearly attracted to Ping? I think that there's something to be said that he, he does... Like you said, he's moody to Peng and he's moody to Milan. So there is some consistency there. Yes. And he does uphold the bisexual stereotype of being incredibly hot. Oh. As we all know, all bisexuals make people drop drop their jaws when they see us. I love the scene when he shows up at Mulan's house at the end and her mom and grandmother are just ogling him and totally objectifying him. Dude, I laughed so hard at that that I was like, I think I've officially adopted mom humor. Like, I just feel like laughing as hard as I did at that joke was so dumb, but I did. So dumb. Yeah. But it's, it's so mom. Yeah, I think that he... I don't know. I think he. I think uh, I'm. I am willing to stake a claim to him for the canon. No, I think that? we should definitely include him. I was just curious if you felt like rewatching it with that lens, if it felt very obvious. And it's okay if you're like, no, it didn't feel obvious. I didn't. To be yeah, honest, it didn't feel obvious to me. Like, I think I still watched it. And, That's fair. But I think that it's like a really cool 
interpretation that I love. I love including him. Yeah. And I think that the part of the problem is that their love story isn't front and center like it is yeah. in some other Disney movies. Yeah, it's not at all. Like, and, and I'm okay with that. I think for this story, it works better that it's sort of like just in the end, they're like, hey, dinner. <laughs> As opposed to like other Disney movies where it, it can get a little obnoxious when the love story is too centered. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, it is possible that they did that to avoid like the homoeroticism yes. of yeah, yeah, Ping yeah. and Shang. But I think it works story wise. I think that it's better to focus on them earning, like gaining each other's trust and respect. Yeah. And it is, it is nice that it is about gaining each other's trust and respect. Yeah. Like even, even after Mulan is outed, it's still more about him recognizing, you know what? I did trust this person. I should trust this person regardless. Yeah. And I love that she like appeals to that directly. You know, you trusted, you trusted Ping. Why won't you trust me? Yeah. Which is like, yeah, it does. She literally like, it honestly bothers me so much how she never gets the, like she literally saved all of them from being slaughtered by the Huns by being a genius who understands avalanche technology. <laughs> avalanche technology, that's up there with digital fur technology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I feel like it's just like passed off. And I'm like, guys, you were all about to like be martyrs for China. And then Mulan came along, used geometry. I don't know. That was a rant. Yeah. But she does get the medal in the end and the sword. No, that's badass. Also, I love at the end that her dad accepts her before and really realizing what she's done and i love that the kind of honor plot line is diffused because i almost felt like it was a little like you know i definitely felt the white gaze there you know and yeah. just like oh see that all they care about is honor and i was like that feels not true to life and a little gross and yeah stereotypical like, yeah, yeah. Th very stereotypical it's nice that after the first act it's not too harped upon yeah, it's, like, not, the, it's not harped upon. Is harped upon, but yes. not honor specifically, which is nice. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I like, I, I love Mulan's dad as a father figure character. Me too. And I love the arc of like at the start, he he wants her to do well, and when she fails, he's like, "Hey, it's okay. Like, it's okay." Mm -hmm. And it's only when she treats him like an invalid. That he becomes upset and and partially upset because she's right like he is an invalid and that's really hard for him to deal with yes but in the end it feels like he had a lapse of judgment yeah and then regretted it but couldn't tell her until she got back yes yeah 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 which is really nice and how he's like you like basically at the end he tells her like you don't have to do anything to earn my love which i like, love yeah, that's who what you are. all dads should say. Honestly, no, it's really great. He's a great character, and I love that. He like, is. even the you don't actually see him that much, but the small interactions you have with him feel so, um, like his character feels so developed. Like, I feel like you really feel when he goes to accept the draft notice, like his like embarrassment of not really being fit to serve, but wanting to serve his country. It just feels so real. He feels like such a real character. He really does. And especially with the later context of when Mulan is like checking in and they're like, you're Fa Zhao's son, like the war hero. I love that. Like, yeah, it just yeah, puts like some color into his just character. Just a little drop of like, oh, like he used to be a big the deal. guy. Yeah. And now he's not. And, he, and that's... 
and and yeah, and that's part of his story is that like he can't be the person he used to be, and mm-hmm. he has to accept that. Yeah, so good. Yeah, very very well developed family dynamics, and even like like I do find the like Disney sassy grandma slash sassy grandpa character can get a little overbearing in some of their movies. Yeah, but Mulan's grandma is like a tasteful amount because she is like capable of being serious (laughs) yeah 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 she's great also oh my god wait who plays um mushu eddie murphy i thought it was eddie murphy but i didn't want to be wrong um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i I am surprised that it's taken us 54 minutes to get to talking about mushu mushu is the funniest best fucking side character i was laughing out loud the whole time oh my god and it's like it's funny because, like, it's very much... I know, I know from uh, Lindsay Ellis, the YouTuber, has a great video about the production of Aladdin and how Robin Williams' performances, the genie, influenced later um, Disney movies so that they all, like, they thought, oh, we always need to have a comedian in there as the sidekick. Oh, that's really So that's how you get Phil and Hercules, the Gargoyles and Hunchback, and Mushu. But I would say of the genie influenced characters mushu is the most successful <laughs> like because he's still funny like he yes. and he he works <laughs> yeah 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 whereas like you know the gargoyles it's funny how disney movies are so formulaic you know yeah it is really and weird. really <laughs> successful but yeah um oh mushu's so funny i just love he's his so whole storyline yeah that he wants to be a guardian again mm-hmm. and like and eddie murphy's vocal performance oh, it sells it so well yeah i was like i was saying that i really wish you could watch mulan where like in the corner of the screen the whole time is just eddie murphy actually doing the performance because <laughs> i just find it so good and i just want to see his actual face doing it yeah oh my god the scene when he's like dishonor on you yeah. dishonor on your cow <laughs> so funny and honestly it's it's like i love shrek and his performance as donkey is hilarious Mm -hmm. but it feels like the comedian cashing in like doing the kids movie for money whereas mushu feels like it's volatile it's fun it's adding something he's very like like vivacious as he's doing the performance yeah yeah there's just so much energy and heat in it it's great yeah and just like i don't know i can't remember exactly but i feel like other disney movies the sidekick doesn't necessarily have their own agenda. And, like, he so much has, like, his own agenda that I, you know, I just love the the two working together. Yeah, it is really nice that, and, like, that he isn't detached. Like, he, he makes, like, totally. anachronistic comments, but he, like, the, the biggest problem I find with the Gargoyles and Hunchback is that they aren't invested yeah. Like, or at least some of them aren't. Like, they're, they are detached from the plot. Whereas, like, the genie and Mushu are very, very invested. And that's what makes them work as sidekicks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even as they are insane. Yeah. Going back to Shang for a minute. <laughs> yes, we um, should. One thing that irked me a little bit, and always has, is in the scene in the palace when Mulan and the other soldiers are going to save the emperor... The other soldiers dress up in drag as a distraction and a reprise of Make a Man Out of You plays. Oh, ah. Sorry. That's okay. Himself. Uh-oh. You okay? I may, have bro- I may have broken my fan. Oh my god, no. Oh god. Oh yeah, it fully fell off. <laughs> One sec. 
You know what? I will deal with this later. Oh, you poor thing. I'm so worried. No, it's fine. I, I think I know what happened and how I can fix it. Anyway, let me start that over. So when they're in the palace and Mulan and the other soldiers go to save the emperor, mm-hmm. uh, the other soldiers dress up in drag and a reprise of Make a Man Out of You plays, which is perfect. Yes. Hilarious. The natural culmination. And then Shang joins them at the last minute, but he doesn't dress up in drag. Why didn't Shang dress up in drag? I know. I thought part that part didn't make any sense either. He should be in drag. He would make such a sexy lady. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I was also like, why not? Like, I mean, you know, you know why. Heteronormativity. I think it is. I think that is the reason. I think it's like, yeah, they don't want him. They don't want the romantic lead to be in drag. They want the funny side characters to do it. Yeah. I think it's really different from like... It's just, it's interesting because it's so, in a way, in a way that's like dealing with similar things to like Some Like It Hot. But whereas in Some Like It Hot, they let a lot of stuff be like kind of in a gray area where you can kind of like read into it very like queerly. Yeah. In Mulan, I think they're just very much like, yeah, people are in drag in this film, but it's not queer at all. (laughs) You know, like they're like, it's... No, 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 no. There's a good reason for it. Yeah, it's pragmatic drag only. Yeah, pragmatic Dragmatic, only. But I was surprised how explicitly they do talk about drag. Like like the ancestors actually use the phrase cross-dresser. I know. Mushu is like Miss Man taking her drag show on the road. Yeah. Jokes like that. But not... Like, they're more frustrated with her than like, oh my god, (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so totally, like, yeah. And they're spoken in a way where it's supposed to, it's supposed to be embarrassing, it feels like, you know? Yeah, which is not great. Well, for the ancestors, it's yeah, definitely, yeah, like, yeah. a judgy, like... It's judgy. That, yeah, it's very judgy. Yeah. Whereas, like, Mushu is just sort of, like, fed up, like, why am I in this ridiculous situation? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, not great, but... <laughs> but yeah, I, it is a very like it is a very straight het reading, cis reading of drag, where it's like Mulan dresses up as a man to save her father, and the, the right. guys dress up as women to save the emperor. Right, exactly. Like in the Disney philosophy of life, it is only okay to do drag if you're going to war in place of your father or to save your country from Hans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And also to save your country from Hans for like five minutes. <laughs> like, like yeah. it is not a long scene that they are using the drag as an actual disguise. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like the fruit falls out immediately. Also, like, where did they find fruit? We'll, nev- we'll never know. Like, <laughs> you know, it's the palace. There's a lot of shit. You know, it's a big, 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 big room full of luxury items. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I do think that it, it is like a worthwhile scene to have. Re- like reversing the premise of the movie there no kind it's of fun. super super fun yeah it's yeah. super fun feels really smart and it honestly is handled better than you would expect from a movie made in the 1990s yes um, no totally I, I feel like the whole film feels like better than you would expect for a film in the yes. 90s i feel like there are movies from like 2014 that <laughs> yes. i can never watch again like the hangover can i ever watch that movie again i'm sure i've never seen it that's very interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Not interesting that you are pursuing a career in comedy, but missed out on The Hangover. <laughs> yeah, I was too busy watching Some Like It Hot. <laughs> I mean, probably better for your education. That's that's my justification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let me see. I'm, I'm it was just such a phenomenon. That's why I'm surprised. Yeah. It was like a big cultural phenomenon, you know, in a bad way, probably. <laughs> in a way yeah. that like a good high basketball player, your high school is a high school phenomenon. Feels similar. Yeah. Did it come out when we were in high school? I think so. I think yeah. So. I mean, that would explain that I was homeschooled, so I missed out on pretty much anything that happened in that. Oh, era right. I forgot culture. that. Oh, well, now it makes total sense that you didn't see it. Yeah, exactly. Your, your parents would ever be like, let's go see this together as a family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I was going to say how I love that Mulan defeats Shan Yu with a paper fan. Because mm. it is a symbol of femininity used, being used to subvert a symbol of masculinity. You know, using a paper fan to disarm a sword. Yeah, totally. That's a super cool moment. And just, yeah. again, so fun. And so, again, that lateral thinking, so consistent with her character. Yeah. 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 Let me see what else I had. Oh, they use the word concubines. When they're in drag, the soldiers are like, concubines. Yeah. And it's like... Do you know what that word means that you just put in a children's movie for Disney kids? I know. That was really funny. Live in, well, not prostitutes exactly, but like they had sex with the emperor. Yeah, <laughs> right. It is funny. It's also funny that they would put in that word when like the director's like, we tried to do a Christian version of Mulan. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's like. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That was really funny. I was like, oh, wow. Um, I don't know how to feel about this movie sometimes you know because it's like i enjoy it but there are those things i think it's just like you enjoy it but you like know that it's limited or you, yes. you know you enjoy it understanding the perspective that it comes from which is ultimately not just a white perspective but like a disney perspective which is like I, I, white. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like if whiteness was diluted yeah. To like its most basic expression and then used only <laughs> only for capitalism. Like Yes. Disney is like the white people's white. Like it is <laughs> exactly. whiter than white. And and cap the capitalism is tied up in that because as we all know, whiteness is a construct of the capitalist system that was used to prevent we, solidarity among workers across ethnic boundaries. But we gotta know that. We gotta get that. Yeah. We well, have to have that understanding. You know what's crazy? You know there's a live action Mulan coming out this year. Didn't it already come out? I don't think it came out already because I looked the Oh, because Corona. Because of Corona. So I think it's like being delayed. Yeah. I knew it was coming. I I'll be honest, I have less than no interest in all of the Disney live-action remakes. I think that they are the most cynical cash grab I have seen in decades. I totally agree, but I kind of want to see the Mulan one because I feel like they had to have made it more, not culturally sensitive, because it's not really about sensitivity so much as awareness and education. Yeah. I just feel like, I, how did they remake it in the last two or three years and not, like, do more homework? But maybe yeah, that's too... It is still Disney. It's it still is still Disney. Disney. It is still... And Disney gonna Disney. Yeah. But I, from watching the trailer, I mean, first of all, they dropped Shang, bisexual icon Lee Shang, has been dropped. Horrifying. And they, they claimed it was because of the Me Too movement. Which seems silly, because it's like he, like he doesn't try to date because her he while was her she's bar. under his... Yeah. Oh my god. And, and it's like he does not try to date her even when she is like revealed to be a woman until after the war is over, and then he does it in a respectful way. 
Like, that's what we should be holding up. Yeah, that seems like a really lame excuse yeah. to me. And also, they could have delved into the bisexuality of it. It's 2020. Yeah, that's really weird. I don't know if I buy that. And they, like, it looks <laughs> like I can't believe also, uh, Sean got me too'd. <laughs> I know. And, and also, like, from the trailer, they added, like, a female villain who's, like, a sorceress. And it looks like it's just going to be more Disney girl boss feminism. Mm. And I'm just very skeptical of their take on these things. Mm-hmm. Like, Disney has a very limited understanding of how people operate. Yeah. No, that's so true. Yeah. So I, I'm not particularly interested in hearing how they've decided to appropriate political movements to rewrite their own history. Like... I don't know. No, I think your skepticism is right. That like whatever they could do to update the film to make it more in line with our current culture would ultimately be so superficial that it's yeah. almost meaningless. Like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean because that's Disney. Like they <laughs> everything they do is meaningless because everything they do is about the bottom line. Like they are not Yeah. It's like it's like the Star Wars kiss. How they they made a big deal that they were going to have the first openly gay character in Star Wars. And what was it? It was two women kissing in a crowd scene. A scene that was then cut from the version released in Singapore because they are not about doing anything brave or innovative. No, you're right. Anymore. You're right. They're just about yeah, they're about money and appeasing the majority, which at this point is slightly more woke. Yeah, but that's it's, it. it. They want to be woke enough to not get called out, but not so woke that they get called out. Performative wokeness, one might say. Yeah, one might say. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's my rant about Disney that will prevent me from ever working in this industry. <laughs> I mean, they're all, they are really well written for. You know, the formula works, but... Don't get me wrong. Like, the 90s animation Disney Renaissance movies, I love them. I That, to me, is what Disney does well. And even more recent ones, like Tangled, I thought was great. My yeah, problem is Moana, Moana's so Moana, good. Moana, so good. Still problematic because it's a bunch of white creators, but they had, like, you know, Polynesian advisors, yeah. which is a step in the right direction. More input. Smaller. Yeah, yeah. But like, my problem is not with the individual films, but with the Disney capitalist behemoth structure. No, where they absolutely. Own the majority of American popular culture. Yeah. And so it's gonna, it's always gonna limit what the popular discourse will be. Yeah. And what can be expressed. Like, like Antonio Gramsci said, yeah. bringing it back, bringing it back to my Italian communist. <laughs> Oh my god. I feel like you need to give me a reading list. <laughs> I feel like you should give me a reading list. Yeah. All right. All right. Mary Fuck Kill? Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think it's too, like, obviously we both want to be in a throuple with Mulan and Shang. No, 100%. Like. <laughs> so uh, what if we chose the three side soldier characters? Because there are three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me get their names real quick because I always forget their names. There is... Da, 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 da. Yao, Ling, and Po. Po, yeah. Yeah, Yao, Ling, and Po. I think uh, Jim Po like, is... Huh? I do not like Jim Po. I don't like his violent tendencies. Wait, I thought he was the tall one. Oh, maybe he is. Wait, let me look it up. Oh, no, you're right, you're right. Po, Yao. Yao's the one I don't yes. like. Yes, Yao is the violent one, and then Ling is the skinny one. Yes, so I would, oh, this is really hard to do this with these three. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I would, I would kill Yao. 
It's kind of fucked up to start with Kill, isn't it? Because like <laughs> that's the priority is to get him out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I would. Uh, what's the skinny one's name? Ling. I guess I would fuck Ling. Well, he's so skinny and a cartoon. <laughs> And, and then you would... I would marry Poe, absolutely. I love how, like, Poe is worried about how good dinner is going to be. Well, I guess that's concerning because I'm not that good of a cook. I guess what I'm imagining <laughs> is we would go out to eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I I just found Yao so... Not Yao. Uh, Ling. Kind of obnoxious. Like, I like him, but he's mm-hmm. kind of the asshole yeah, friend he of is, the group. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So, like, I would almost say, Mary Poe, hands down, Mary Poe. We would down. have a lovely family together. Yes. I would say, fuck Yao. Because, like, one night stand, he's a little feisty, and then I don't have to see him again. But then kill Ling, because he's like, I want a girl who's hotter than me. I know, he is a little whiny. You're right, yeah. he's kind of whiny. Not even why, just sort of like, he seems like a, you know what it is? He seems like a character from the Big Bang Theory. Dude, that's a good call, yeah. Like, he's not a jock, but he's still sexist as fuck. Yeah, that's a good read. (laughs) I think that's what we should, uh, that's the takeaway from this episode, is fuck the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, fuck, dude, I hate, I can never watch a full episode of that show, I hate it so much. Can't even, can't even. Yeah. I have have not, I have watched enough clips yeah. Uh, and ones that people recommended as the funniest jokes on the show. And I'm like, if this is what you think is funny, I don't ever want to see you in my life again. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but Mulan is complicated, but it's great. Yeah. It's complicated. Complicated. It's complicated. But good. But good. We can appreciate it. Yes. There's a lot of good in it. It's just it's about being able to hold two conflicting thoughts in your head at the same time. Yes. I love that. That's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. But I would say that this movie warrants it yes absolutely <laughs> all right cool well, next I'll time see you next week for thor ragnarok yes i'm so psyched for thor i'm excited and and it will be yet more of my rants against disney <laughs> can't wait thanks for listening to snails and oysters created by nat roberts and ali rogers with music by Billy Libby and artwork by Abby Austin. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. And if you don't like this podcast, I don't know, share it with your enemies? <laughs> <laughs>